Hello, internet peeps. Welcome to another edition of Big Trouble Little Podcast, episode 141. I am Joe Dubs. I'm Andy. I'm Batman. <laughs> and we are at, at, we are here because we're doing Batman. We're doing all the uh, first four originals. Not the one Adam West, the one uh, that started off with Michael Keaton. So, uh, 1989 Batman. But before we get into that, guys, what the hell you been watching, playing, or doing? I'll go first this time. Um, so I decided just out of the blue that I wanted to watch the Rocky movies. Uh, how? Actually, it wasn't out of the blue. I was on YouTube. I saw a Rocky clip. Actually, it was a Rocky Balboa clip, which is the sixth film. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm in the mood. Let me go watch it from the beginning. So I watched from one. Um, I actually ended on five so that means i have rocky balboa next um and remember how like the fifth one everybody goes it sucks because it's like tommy gun and you know it's a street fight and it's stupid the soundtrack is not that great i never saw five i've never seen five or rocky balboa i've seen one two three four and creed okay but i i rewatched five and i'm like you know what it's not that bad it's it's cheesy um, the street fight is kind of dumb, but like I enjoyed watching the movie. Um, and what I notice is a lot of the Rocky movies teach you about life le- lessons and shit, uh, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is really crazy. Cause it, and the writing in it is great. And uh, I heard Rocky Balboa, uh, the Rocky Balboa movie was written by Stallone, and um, even the Creed movies was written by Stallone too. So I, I learned a lot from the Rocky movies. I learned everything I know about uh, chasing chickens, punching meat, eating lightning, crap and thunder. <laughs> it made me who I am today. All of St- Sylvester Stallone's movies can teach you things, as I'm about to tell you here shortly. Oh, yeah. You watched you watched a Sly Stallone movie as well. But it dubs you finished first, of course. Yeah, it's just, you know, a lot of people, they see, you know, the Rocky character and they go, oh, I'm Stallone. This is how I act in every movie. And it's like, Adrian, Adrian <laughs> Like, that's that's unfair. Rocky is genuinely one of the best sports dramas ever made. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> I, I I feel like everyone should know that. Like, no joke. Rocky is one of the best one of the best dramas ever made. But it's certainly in the top ten sports dramas ever made. Certainly. I got a question for you guys because I know Zach is going to probably elaborate it on his movie a little bit more. But do you think that Stallone is underrated in any way? Like he's in his later movies, he's grown to be probably a, a great actor, especially in his later Creed and Rocky Balboa movies. He actually acts pr- really good and his writing is pretty good compared yeah. to. I think he is a little underrated. I think most people still just think of him as an actor and they don't really, uh, they don't even really give him necessarily enough credit, I think as an actor either. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people don't actually realize how much he writes or has contributed to stories and in, in movies on a lot of the, a lot of the ones he's done or anything. I think he gets a lot of spillover of like, like as far as being a creative goes, he's actually contributed a ton of stuff, but at the same time, people see what like Mel Gibson and Steven Seagal did as with being a creative and he's getting spillover from like, Oh, they didn't do that. Great action guys from the eighties. Didn't do that. Great. And that's not fair. Cause he did way better. They fucking did. 
Yeah. I I still probably one of my favorite Stallone movies ever. Uh, and it, it's a it's a cheesy bad movie. Uh, I think it's awesome, but Demolition Man probably like one of my favorite Stallone movies. How's one. how's Demolition Man bad? People, there's dude, there's people out there. It's coming from the guy who says Face Off is bad. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some people that hate uh, Demolition Man. I love it. Uh, Wesley Snipes is fucking Stallone. But yeah, I watched that. Um, I actually want to get some boxing games because <laughs> there's some 360 uh, uh, backwards compatibility games that I want to get for boxing. So get them fight nights. Yep, fight night. Round three. I tell you what you need to get. Get that ready to rumble for Dreamcast. That's where it's at. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but, oh, I've been playing Resident Evil games. Well, uh, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering. I thought you were going to skip it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so I finished uh, Resident Evil Remake 2 and 3 pretty quickly. Um, Andy ragged on me about the originals. He... Uh, yeah, this 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 little whiner will only play brand new Resident Evil games. You gotta play them classics. Yeah, son. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we raised up to one hundred and twenty dollars so far in the charity for uh, anxiety and depression for research. So I'm excited about that. Uh, we unlocked a giveaway. Uh, Andy's, I believe, saw me play blindfolded with a pillowcase over my head. Right. Yeah, you were fighting Nemesis. And by fighting, I mean avoiding. <laughs> yes. So I had a pillowcase over my head in the first uh, Nemesis fight. You know, the one with the flamethrower, Zach? Yeah. So I measured it by the rumble of my controller. So every time, like, he hit me with fire, I would just run the opposite away. He did uh, a really good job. He lived. I mean, that's, that's a good job in my book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, I played the Res. I think the next game I might do, um, I'm, I want to get through four because I know four is a big game, so I'm gonna do four, six. I'm doing on the side, and I'm almost done. So we're gonna be doing that for Nemesis Project. But yeah, that's all I've been doing. Um, Andy, what about you? I beat Super Monkey Ball. I did that pretty early in the week. That was like just after we recorded. Um, it was it was fun. It was a fun little game. It's it's not a masterpiece or anything, but it's fun. Um, I, I put uh, Mario Tetris nine thirty five. I'm still playing Mario thirty five and Tetris ninety nine. I say it every week, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fucking bore everyone by talking about it again. Uh, my girlfriend's on this kick where she's watching like every Ghibli movie because she got an HBO max subscription and they're all on there so i had to watch a few whether i watched uh, spirited away whisper of the heart they're both great they're studio ghibli movies what, what do you expect whisper of the heart is really underrated a lot of people forget that one exists because it's not it's not a whimsical magic story it's just about like some girl graduating middle school or something and she like doesn't know what she wants to do with her life and she ends up writing or what but um just something interesting about that movie to me is it has country roads in it. The John Denver song. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird that that song is in that movie. And it's in it like six times. <laughs> so weird. of course I spent the rest of the week with fucking country roads stuck in my head. Cause you know, live in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I've been on a huge kick lately where I've been uh, like, I think I mentioned a few episodes ago, I watched a bunch of stuff on YouTube about speed running. Um, Summoning Salt is pretty much the best you can get. Uh, another channel, Apollo something. He has a bunch of speed running stuff I watched too. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. So now on Twitch, I like started actually just, I just 
put in the tag um, speedrunning and just see what people were doing. And I, I watched uh, some guy, uh, Simply is his name, has been speedrunning. He's trying to do, trying to break the world record for getting all 120 stars in Mario 64. And uh, it's really entertaining. I watched him finish one. He was 19 seconds shy of the world record, which, you know, sounds close, but in the grand scheme of speedrunning, it's not that close. I guess he actually holds second place, so it wasn't even his personal best. But still, it's just watching someone who knows the game inside and out run it like that is really impressive. I also watched a guy, uh, I watched part of the world ranking, world break, world record Final Fantasy VII run. That was just a replay, though. I wasn't watching it live. And, um, oh, and I watched a uh, video game history foundation got 600 plus, uh, video game magazines and just opened them on a stream and just talked about them and talked about history and oh, this is an industry magazine. You could only get this if you sold consoles. And it was really interesting. I like that. Also, uh, at twitch.tv slash the cliche mustache, I've started playing earthbound. I am up to, um, Threeson? What's the name of the third town? Threeson, I think. That's where I'm at. So come watch that. It's been a good time. Yeah, I came in on one of your streams and I said hello. And then I, and then I was doing something else because I'm like, oh, maybe he's not talking. And I just, I was on off to the side. I try to pay attention, but sometimes I get, I get wrapped up in it. I've actually, uh, at first I was playing on the television and using just my phone to keep track of who are, who's talking to me, which I don't see. So now because I'm playing on the Wii U, I can just play it at my desk with my computer in front of me. That's working out a lot better. Speaking of tags on Twitch, like I never really used them before, but one of them is first playthrough. Like if this is the very, your very first time playing a game, people really like that tag because when I very first started, a bunch of people came in and were like, oh, this is your first time playing Earthbound? This game's great. Oh, make sure you talk to everybody. Make sure you do this. They were all really cool. Like no one was like spoiling anything. They were just actually giving advice. It was nice. It's like, oh, this is this is why streaming can be fun. Yeah, it, it's funny huh. because, because a lot of like streamers, uh, at least streamers I watch, when they do a first playthrough, their number one rule is like, "Don't backseat gaming. Don't tell me what to do." Are, mm -hmm. are, are you that type of gamer, or are you do you take in tips? I mean, that's it's fine. Uh, there's been a couple times I could have used a tip, if I'm being honest. Bear in mind, Earthbound is a game that shipped with with the strategy guide in North America because the game is like confusing at times. Like you've got to do stuff that doesn't make sense. It's kind of cryptic. Yeah, it's it's pretty cryptic at times. So I have to admit, I looked up what to do twice now. One time, like I could tell, I had to give wad of bills to this band so they could get out of their contract, but I couldn't figure out who to give it to. It turns out it's the manager of the club, and uh, you know stuff like that. There's a few like every once in a while I get an item. I'm like, I don't know what this does. I guess I'll try it. Uh, there's there's an inventor in the game. There's two inventors in the game. One of them gives you something really useful, and one of them gives you trash. And I bought the trash one just because i didn't know any better yeah that's that's fun though it's fun to just you know explore the game just figure it out as you go that's one of my favorite thing about like rpg games and jrpg is i would the first playthrough i, do, I would just do it blind and see how far i can get and then like go back and be like oh shit if i did this this mission would unlock so like like that's what i liked about old jrpg games as well I, I like it, but I still have this, like, this nervousness. This In the back of my mind, I'm always like, I'm going to miss something. There's, like, 
oh, if you check behind this bus, you'll get so-and-so's best weapon or whatever. Like, uh, uh, one of the things that has always haunted me is I, I know for a fact that in Chrono Cross, the sequel to Chrono Trigger for PlayStation, the spiritual sequel, there's a character that you can just miss. You can just, Like, in the first town, there's an extra character you can get for the party, and unless you know the weird way to get them, you can just go the whole game and not get them. And it's not like a Yuffie situation, like where you just got to run into her. It's like right off the bat and it's something that helps the game a lot. And like, so part of me is always like, I want to look up to make sure I'm not missing anything, but I don't want to reward that kind of behavior because then you miss out on that genuine exploration. It's like, I figured this out. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tricky, the tricky balancing act to figure out. I think Chrono Cross is like one of the exceptions to that. There's a couple games that do that kind of thing. Like, that's one of them. I think usually it's games that have to do with, like, recruiting gigantic parties. Sweet it in. Yeah, those those yeah. probably do it, too. Yeah. Yeah, I know for a fact. Like, in Sweet it in, too, I think there's a 120 stars, they call it, your uh, party members. And some of them, the ways you get them just don't make any sense at all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is that anything else, Andy? Oh, that's it. I just invite everyone to come watch me play Earthbound, which, by the way, is on my hit list for Accelerated Gamer, so watch out, douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Zach, what about you? Um, let's see. I've still been reading uh, some James Bond books. Yeah. And um, I'm about to finish Casino Royale, finally. <laughs> um. What else have I been doing? I watched two movies, well, two movies, not counting this one we're going to talk about. I watched uh, Conan the Barbarian over yes. the weekend. Just it's, you, it's, you had a good week of movie watching. I did. I've seen Conan a few times, though, like yeah, here and course. there. I, I've not like watched the hell out of it like this movie. <laughs> um, my, my sister never saw it, so we just we just watched it one evening. Hmm. Um, then I watched uh, Cobra. Which, which is the Sly Stallone movie I was talking about. I'd never seen Cobra. And, like, there's that infamous scene of him going back to his apartment and, like, getting the gun cleaning kit out of the fridge and throwing the, the paper away in the barbecue grill and sitting down and cutting a piece of pizza with a pair of scissors and eating that piece he cut off. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like, what the hell? The video is called Cobra Lifestyle. And I'm like, yeah, I want to live that fucking life right there. <laughs> but, um, it's weird because that, that movie's like rated not that good on the internet, but like I watch it and I fucking love that movie. It's just like super 80s. Uh, you really get that 80s vibe from it hard, especially in like terms of how it's shot and everything and the fucking soundtracks mostly good it's it's pretty sick i kind of want to find it on like vinyl or something well i i think you know they don't make action movies like the the 80s or early 90s anymore no they do not oh, everything wow, that movie is rated really poorly sorry ever, have you seen it have you seen cobra i haven't no yeah i've seen it okay dub's seen it well maybe someday we'll, we'll watch it for this but well this um, this is weird rotten tomatoes 14 percent Google, 92% of people like this movie. Fucking Rotten Tomatoes is weird. I, I hate that website. Well, But then IMDb, 5.8, right down the middle. Yeah, that's right down. Yeah. So I, no, I, no one agrees. No one agrees on this movie. Yeah, apparently not. Um, but 
it's just a balls out fucking action movie, uh, 1986. And man, Stallone is just so fucking cool. It hurts <laughs> the kind of character he plays. It's like, God damn, he's so cool. The only guy that's cooler than him is Snake Plissken, honestly. Um, has, and has um, Kurt Russell and Stallone ever been in a movie together? Tango and Cash. Oh, okay. And then they're like a, it's like a buddy cop thing. So it's not really a buddy cop thing. It's more like, fuck you asshole. Yeah. Fuck you too, pal. And they work together. <laughs> like, it's, it's more like that antagonistic cop movie. I kind of want to see it. <laughs> I've always wanted to see it. I haven't seen it yet either myself. Um, yeah. Great movie though. I fucking recommend Cobra. Like it's, it's awesome. Um, there's one Stallone movie that I've never seen. It's the one where he's like in a fucking arm wrestling competition. Is that uh, from the over 80s? the top? Over the top, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. There's still a lot of Stallone movies I actually have not seen. So maybe a Stallone month is uh, in in the future. It yeah. might be. Maybe. Yeah. Um, play. I've been playing Tiberian Sun too. I'm about to finish that sucker. It's close. Shit, you I, get a big get with that one. I got yeah, it. I, I bet you it's worth a bunch of points. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I gotta get on my gaming. Um, my gaming. <laughs> I mean, you've been gaming. You're just playing all these games you've played before. You should be beating a new Resident Evil. Yeah. Revelations. <laughs> Re- Revelations. Uh, Revelations too. Uh, I don't know. Umbrella Chronicles. Gaiden. Fucking I never finished. Deadly Gaiden. Aim. Gaiden. Dead. Yeah, there you go. Come on. <laughs> get that weird shit in there. Yeah, that weird shit. Anything else, Zach? Nah, that's it. That's that's me. All right, Andy, I'm gonna let you take away the intro for 1989 Batman. Really? Because yeah. it seems like it should be Zach because he's uh, he's seen it. Zach has seen this movie more times than you've had hot dinners. Okay, that's <laughs> pro- possible. Yes, <laughs> Zach. I always say like I always somehow go to everybody to see this movie with me like once a year or something, mm-hmm. and. Every time I do, I'm like, this is probably like the 69th time I've seen this movie in my life. I mean, I, nice. I've seen this movie, you know, several times, a dozen or more. I think three of them have been with Zach. Because mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I'm just talking about lifestyle. There, there should be a Batman lifestyle video on YouTube as well. <laughs> so um, take it away, Zach. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to kind of, I guess, lay out like, why I like this movie so much real quick and then get into the plot. Okay. Uh, this movie really influenced me a lot. Um, this is a, why you fight crime at night. This is as why a, I fight crime vigilante. at night. That's right. No, uh, like as like a really, a really small kid, um, there was a handful of movies I watched a lot on repeat. Um, this is one of them. Another one is Beetlejuice. Another one is Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which explains a lot, like why I like Tim Burton so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, like, yeah, uh, I don't know what it's kind of hard to explain, I guess, but like, I think this really helped to get me into like comic book stuff and everything anyway. But it kind of, I guess, sort of shaped my mind for like my mind's eye for like catching like what is good cinema what is good stylistic shots and stuff because i always think about how this movie shot and how everything looks it has a very distinct feel to it um 
yeah, I don't know. Every other Batman movie after this one just doesn't feel like this one does. Well, like, Returns is close. It's close. It? Yeah. yeah. It's it's not in Pinewood Studios. They shot it, I think, in America, and they tried to get... They, they got a similar-looking setup, mm. but it's not Pinewood Studios' backlot. Mm. <laughs> um, but anyway, it... It's Gotham in some unknown time in Gotham. It's timeless. And um, it just starts off with some family kind of like going through the streets. And it's it it looks like how you imagine Gotham really would look. It's kind of run down. It's kind of dirty. There's kind of weird looking people everywhere. It's like the 50s, but they have 80s music. It's, it's uh, kind of weird a little bit sometimes. Like I don't I'm, really. I, I feel like it's a city that was mostly built and established, like like you know, upkept around that time in the fifties. But now we're like thirty years later, and shit's kind of gone downhill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, but they're trying to get somewhere, and then some guy holds them up. You know, a couple guys hold them up in an alley. Hey, Mister, give me a dollar. Come on, and. Knocks to knocks the dad out, steals the money, and then Batman sees them on the rooftop. You see like a little animation of Batman because it's this is nineteen eighty eight when they're doing this. Yeah, in in high definition, it looks a little wonk. There's <laughs> there's a few effects and shots in this movie that I can distinctly remember you not being able to tell as much that was an effect. We were watching it on VHS and stuff as a kid. So. Well, even DVD. I can remember back when I had the DVD copy. There's just certain things. Like like the one that always bugs me the most is when I'm skipping ahead a little bit. But when, jo- when Jack Napier shows back up at the office and he's Joker now, hmm. when he's in Shadow, even in the DVD version, you can't really clearly see his face that well. Yeah. But in the freaking Blu-ray, you can see it plain as day. And it's that seems like magical. something they could fix. They could do a color grading. They could do something. Because there's there, there's been a discussion around film restoration for a long time. I know this because I follow the hoity-toity Criterion Reddit shit. But there's been a discussion for a long time. But when they clean up high-definition film, it does stuff like that. And they're like, oh, this is the way they shot it. But that's not necessarily the director's vision. That's not necessarily what the director intended. It's the same conversation that's being had in retro gaming because when you clean a picture up too much, it doesn't look right. They, when 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 people designed Sega Genesis games, they assumed there were going to be scan lines and stuff like that. They assumed the picture was going to look like that. That's why PVMs and stuff like that are such a big deal. Yeah. So the same conversation is being had around film restoration now because when you clean it up, you lose... You lose some of what was supposed to be there, and I don't think it's as prominent, but there's definitely shots like this where that happens. And there's all these jokes all the time about, oh, this looks, this doesn't look great in HD. We've talked about it on this very show several times. Oh, yeah. this is this is a Blu-ray transfer. I mean, I could really tell that blank. This was an effect. This looked bad. That shot, though, I, I thought was actually, maybe it was unintentional, um, like, good because like i was like oh it kind of shows off that he has like that white face but like you know the guy other guy can't see it but it's kind of hinting to the crowd like oh shit he has a fucked up face so i can i can remember in the old transfer whatever you want to call it like it's just it's more obscured it's more like blobby that you can't really see his face until he until he comes into the light and then it's like oh fuck (laughs) But yeah, I remember there was like a video I shared about this where somebody picked this movie out in particular talking about the different 
upgrades and transfers and how the color grading's changed quite a bit since the VHS and DVD. Mm. Anyway, though, uh, these two guys get on the roof and then they're like trying to divide the money between them. And then they're talking about Batman. It's like, hey, look, man, there ain't no bat. Now shut up. <laughs> shut up. People get told to shut up a lot in this movie, by the way. I know. <laughs> they also get called sons bitches, son of bitches. Dubs was saying there's a lot more cussing in this movie than what I thought. I'm like, are you sure? Yeah, because <laughs> keep in mind, I haven't seen this movie probably since the early 2000s. Um, I should see this more often because I love this Batman movie. But I don't remember them saying shit a lot. Yeah, they say they say that a few times. They say bitch a few times, and somebody and somebody says, "God damn!" It. I think it's Gordon. When he drops Napier in the vat, he can't hold on to him. He says, God damn it, we had him. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, Honestly, after Dub said that, I was trying to remember all the times that there was cussing in this movie. I couldn't remember most of them, but they're they're in there. I guess it's just just numb to it. Yeah, I got totally desensitized to the cursing. There's not that much. There's like six, but uh, six, six, six is good. Mothers yeah. against television. They they were right. They they could have saved us. But uh, Batman appears behind them. I love that fucking shot when he appears behind them and they're talking about him. There's like all that fog, and then he just comes down. He's with super his quiet. Yeah. He's super quiet. It's like silent film stuff, which was a big influence on Burton. Um, and he gets him. It's cool. They shoot him, and he he just drops down. They think they got him. They try to run away, and he gets up, and they're like, "Oh fuck." He whips their ass, and then he says, I'm Batman, the, the infamous best delivery of that line. I need you to I need you to do me a favor. I need you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? What are you? I'm Batman. And he throws them away. He does a nice boot to the guy who fucking launches him through the door. It's another thing. Michael Keaton did all of his own stunts in that fucking outfit in this movie. And he Man, fuck that. And he also, like... <laughs> Gotta turn his whole body because he can't turn his neck. Yeah, people people make fun of that because the outfit. But honestly, to me, that's one of the best looking costumes. I, I I don't think people were as aware of that until the the Christopher Nolan movies because when the second one came out, The Dark Knight, they made such a big deal about oh he can turn his head now. This is the first time they've done that with a Batman thing, and everyone was like oh yeah that's right that's right. And now now it's something everyone says, but I don't think I don't think people were noticing. Yeah, I, I didn't back then. I didn't care, but like now since I'm like seeing all the other Batman movies, I'm kind of like it's kind of funny seeing like Michael Keaton just turn his whole fucking body to look at like somebody on his left. It's more intimidating, I think. I mm. think turning your head to look at someone and turning your your the, your body to look at someone, I think that's more intimidating. I don't think that's on purpose. I think that's just accidentally a good thing for the movie. But I don't know, to me, it seems like I'm directing my whole attention to you. You know, mm-hmm. it could be accidental. It could have been a directional thing because what I had a thought about this after a while. I'm like, you know, everybody makes fun of how yeah, he can't turn his head. Ha ha. But actually, yeah, him turning his whole body, like you said, is kind of like intimidating, especially the speed at which he does it. Yeah. It's always like he very suddenly turns this way and looks directly at you. Or throws the cape around and, you know. And one thing I thought of is, in a way, that's kind of like really exaggerated style acting, stage acting, that is a callback to the silent film era stuff. And there's the things like, oh, he comes and makes make a noise and everything. And to me, maybe that's that was an extra Burton bit. He's like, well, you turn your body, don't just do it smoothly. Try to do it really fast, you know. 
Between like that and these sets, I'll tell you what, you got your German expressionism in my comic book movie. Yeah, you sure do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's how this movie opens, essentially. So I want to I want to talk about Keaton as Bruce Wayne and Batman. OK, I, I like him as Batman. Um, I love him as Bruce Wayne. Same. I, I, I want to say out of because, you know, later down the road, Bruce Wayne becomes this like elitist fucking Richie snob person um, that has no emotion. Like, oh, my parents are dead. Um, and and then in this Batman, he feels like, oh, I inherited this money. Um, I'm, you know, he's hiding the fact that he's Batman, and he's hiding the fact that his parents are dead. I mean, he learned uh, Vicky Vale learns pretty much from Alfred that he has he has no uh, parents. Um, but, no, Knox investigates it, right? Because she's like, oh, find out why this alleyway is important. And he yeah. researched it, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. She, she connects it once, like, you know, he says, oh, okay. Alfred uh, has been there all my life, pretty much. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And um, what I like about him as Bruce Wayne, he seems more human in this one. He has emotion. Um, yeah, he's more... I don't want to use the word playful. It sounds, it sounds like I'm talking about a Labrador, but like, <laughs> I, I like the stuff that's like, that's Japanese. Well, how do you know? Because I bought it in Japan. Like, I like that kind of stuff. <laughs> a lot of the other movies are missing that. They're missing like, it's a little bit of snark. He's not like being too much of a, of a weirdo, but it's it's more like, there's character there. Like He's, he's kind of, he's quirky. He's a little off. Feels like somebody, you know, to me that, is maybe had kind of a rough life and they grew up in spite of it. They might be a little off. You know, I, I really feel like that's, that's uh that's Keaton injecting some of himself into the character. Yeah. Cause the other roles I see him playing, I see that coming through. Like, I'm not just thinking about like multiplicity. I'm thinking of like almost anything he's in. There's a little bit of that, that snark and that mom, stuff. like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that, that character in it. And I, I feel like that's, that's him adding to Batman. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. Like, you know, in the comics, sometimes, like, he does get that playful, like, uh, womanizer stuff going on. And, like, in the later movies, like, especially even with Christian Bale Batman, he, like, he has girls on his left and girls on his right. He's, like, this ladies' man. Keaton didn't seem like that to me in this movie. Well, it's like he's being fake, right? Because yeah. there's, no there's no way... Bruce Wayne would be Batman. He's like a playboy dickhole, right? <laughs> like, one of my favorite... Like, I know we're here to talk about Batman 1989, not The Dark Knight. But honestly, this conversation is is as old as The Dark Knight is. Nerds have been having it on the internet through podcasts since then. So whatever, let's talk a little bit about The Dark Knight. Uh, it's characterization of, of Bruce Wayne. This is chapter three. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I really like the scene. There's... Uh, uh, the Joker says, I'm going to blow up this hospital unless this guy's dead. So the cops are escorting him through town, and Bruce Wayne is in his Lamborghini, Ferrari, whatever it is. And that guy's about to ram it with a truck, and he, like, shoots through the intersection and blocks the truck and, like, saves them. And he says, that was a really brave thing that you did. Gordon's talking to him, That was a really brave thing you did. And he says, what are you talking about? He says, I was just trying to beat the light. I've always really, really like that's that's perfect. That it, that's one scene that perfectly encapsulates the way that they're trying to characterize Bruce Wayne in those movies. He's a dick. He's oblivious. 
he doesn't want anyone to even have an inkling of idea that he's got a righteous bone in his body. There's no way you would think he was Batman. Mm -hmm. The flip side of that coin is Batman 1989. Cause in Batman 89, like we said, like there's, there's a lot of times where he's just like being a weirdo, but like he has a romance and he's like telling jokes and he's having like real conversations with people because Batman of all the Batman movies is the one that is the most about Bruce Wayne because it's about he finds out who killed his parents. He he makes it personal. Like he it's personal for Batman in this movie because he finds out if you ever danced the de devil in the pale moonlight. Uh, and he punches him in the face. Like that part's really good too. Mm -hmm. So this is this is this is the movie that is the most about Bruce Wayne, I think. And he has he has a romance in the Christopher Nolan movies too, but it always felt flat and forced to me. It's yeah. just just me. That's that's just my critical viewing of it but this this movie lacks that you know him being a dick like you could almost think oh maybe maybe this weirdo is batman because he is a weirdo he hangs upside down at night after having sex that's strange it's like a bat <laughs> bats do that <laughs> but anyway uh thank you for coming to my ted talk yeah <laughs> and like i don't know i really dig uh you know him yeah I mean, he's he's a good batman but i i love him as bruce wayne um and that kind of gets mushy in the next movie a little bit because then they start introducing way too much. Um, but I digress on that. Um, what what about your opinion, Zach? What, what do you think about uh, Michael Keaton as Batman and Bruce Wayne? Because they're totally two different characters, but same man. I love it. I think he nails it. His Bruce Wayne's a little different, like you guys pretty much just laid out. But to me, it's he feels more like a... Oh yeah, that's Bruce Wayne. He's kind of a weirdo a little bit, but he's he's a good guy, I guess. <laughs> like that's that's kind of the impression you get. He's harmless. <laughs> he's mostly harmless. So it's like he could be Batman, right? You know, that's silly. Um, that's like a, another way to to sell that gimmick, so to speak. But I always, to me, he's always been the best on-screen Batman. Um, yeah. He he has like this presence about him when he when he is Batman. And like when he looks, you can like see his eyes and shit. He's the way he looks at you and the turning. Um, and I don't know. It's Michael Keaton's not a real big guy or anything at all. He's kind of like average sized, but he's short. He's he's a little short. I think he's like five nine, maybe. I thought that was a big deal when they cast Keaton because comic book dorks were like, "Oh, he's too short to be Batman." Blah. Yeah, they were, but um, like it doesn't matter though because no, not at all. When he's doing the action stuff, he's fighting, you know, as best he can in that outfit. It's pretty good. Some of the fights are cool, like when he fights the street samurai. I always love that part. Hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, he just has, he takes it so seriously. And another thing I really like is he has, like, a voice, but it's not, like, some exaggerated growly voice or fucking computer-generated bullshit like um, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck's version in the, I didn't know that was computer. Yeah, it's like some kind of voice box thing. It's fucking strange. I hate it. Huh. Um instead he just kind of masks his voice a little bit and it's not exaggerated. And another thing I like is he doesn't actually say a whole lot. He says yeah. very little. Yes, that's the way to be. Like he's not fucking Spider Man, he's Batman. He should just do what he needs to do, right? Exactly. Um it it's it's funny because what I like about Keaton Batman as well, he's kind of has that Keaton humor in there as well. I mean, obviously the part you want to get nuts, 
well, let's get nuts or like he's sit he's he's sitting there with the bat suit when he brings Vicky Vale to the bat cave and like she's trying to look at his face and he's going like <laughs> he turns the light on real quick to shine right in her fucking eyes that part gets more and more absurd the more i watch this movie the more it's like it's silly like it seems it's very blues clues of you like that's just what are you doing <laughs> i, I like I, I think it was just like oh we're gonna be in the dark real quick let me turn this light on because they're going through a fucking tunnel but it also just so happens to shine in her face mm-hmm. um you were talking about uh geez like his weird humor, humor or yeah. something but like yeah one of my favorite parts with that that's a good example of that is like when they're in the axis chemical plant and like just going ahead a little bit but like you know jack napier works for grissom and he's like uh an underling guy for him i guess he's a lieutenant or something mm. but he's crazy he's an a1 nut boy and grissom knows it and he's not gonna run the show think about the future yeah but you see you got to think about the future. Um, he sets him up because he's doing his woman or something like that on the side. Yeah. Over a woman? Over a woman? You must be insane. <laughs> <laughs> like, he gets set up to go to the chemical plant and do the industrial espionage, and it was it was a farce because he sent Eckhart to take care of him because Eckhart's like one of the dirty cops. And he just calls the police station and asks for him directly. <laughs> it's something I never really thought about that much before. I was like, yeah, he just fucking. St- they have to know who this guy is. He straight up called the police station and asked. They didn't have him. caller ID yet. It was 1989. They still have to know who he is. He's like super famous and shit. You know, everybody knows who Boss Carl Grissom is. He's a legitimate businessman. <laughs> yeah, because didn't reporters like uh, when uh, you know Grissom like handed off the company to somebody? They're like, wait, he just handed you the company. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, there's, and I bet you have evidence too. It's a favor. Yeah, it's we... a pretty big favor. <laughs> <laughs> you guys must have done time together as children. He fucking laughs. <laughs> yeah. I, I like Knox too, by the way. He's fucking yeah, let's, great. Let, let's sidestep to Knox because uh, Knox is a character that that I've never really thought much about until this viewing. Uh, he's totally underappreciated, and I love that character. He's great. Like he's he's kind of what this movie needs. Like like Keaton adds a little bit of like charm and goofiness, but Knox is just all goofy all the time. He's he's ten. Every scene he's in, he's at a ten, and it's time to be Knox. And honestly, I I I wish that character would have endured. I wish it would have found its way into other things. I wish it could have pulled like a Harley Quinn. Like they invented her for the cartoon, and now she's like super famous. I want to see I want to see Knox turn up in the comics and the animated series. Oh man, yeah. I think he was supposed to be in Returns, but they, they cut him out or something, if I remember right. Lame. I don't like, know why. Honestly, as a kid, I didn't care for that character much, so it makes sense. It makes sense that they would cut in because he's not very appealing to a, a wide audience. But to me, now, as a film viewer, I'm I'm all about Knox. I, <laughs> it, Knox needs a spinoff. I'll watch that. Put that shit on Disney+. Plus. I'll watch that. Or so Warner Brothers. He, uh, he reprised his role as Alexander Knox in the TV show Supergirl. And also Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's the Flash. Um... Oh, they did really? that multiverse thing. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. That's cool as hell. I didn't know oh, that. Oh, man. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to see that now. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Napier with some of his guys, including Bob, who is his number one guy. Um, they go there to do the espionage. They get set up. And then Batman's there and he fucking stops him for the most part. 
and then Jack's about to shoot uh, Gordon. He sees him down there. He goes up, stops him, kicks the gun out of his head, and picks him up. And he's like, Jesus! Because this guy in a bat costume just picked him up. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty normal reaction. So I got I got I gotta ask though, the toxic gas. What it the do we have like buildings that just have toxic gas and hold it? Like what, what what why are there just factories? Why are there just death factories out in the middle of fields? Like look <laughs> look in the background of all the shots of central Gotham and there's like smokestacks in skyscrapers. Gotham is a bonkers crazy place where there's just industry and business mingled around every corner. That's that's oh. that's how I take it. That's like that in the books, though. Yeah. Whenever you read Batman book and you look at Gotham, that's really how it looks. I mean, what whatever needs to be convenient. Like, I there is no city in the real world that has that many abandoned circuses and candy factories. There just aren't that many. But for some reason, in Gotham, there's always another one for the Joker <laughs> to hang out in. On the, on the outside of the canisters of the toxic gas, it looks like nuclear like erosion happening. Yeah, there's like this bright green shit that's like yeah, just kind of like spewing out. <laughs> and they're just like running around in all this goop, like having a gunfight. I'm like, you guys have got every cancer now. <laughs> <laughs> they must, yeah, they probably do. Um, but yeah, at this point, this is what I was getting ready to get at. Is He puts him down because Bob comes out. And he's like, let him go or I'll fucking blow Gordon's brains out, essentially. And then he, he, get, he gets his gun. He's like, nice outfit. And it shows it shows Batman. He's like smirking at him, like yeah, you know, it's a fucking nice outfit. And he looks away, gone. <laughs> Batman, he did Batman shit, and he's gone. That fucking smirk, nobody else could pull that off. If anybody else did that, it'd be like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> All right, I want to double back a little bit, and we're gonna talk about Batman now because we talked about Bruce Wayne ad nauseum. But now we're talking about Batman in the grand scheme of Batman. Uh, you guys are saying Keaton's a good Batman. He's a great Bruce Wayne. I think a lot of the greatness that he pulls out of Batman, I really want to give credit to Tim Burton on this because it's the way it's lit and shot. I really think like, because the eyes always are dark because of the way everything's lit and everything's like, um, they do side lighting a lot. Tim Burton always does that shit and it always looks really good. And uh, I, I just, I want to give credit to, to, Tim Burton and director of photography, whoever the hell that is on this movie. Cause a lot of that is the way Batman is shot. Cause he's oh he's so short, but they always shoot at a downward angle. That's like, you know, a trick as old as film is. They, they do a really good job of turning Batman from a good Batman into one of the best Batman that have ever been on the screen. I agree with that for hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so I mean, Zach, you're leading to this a little bit um, in the comics. How does Joker become Joker? Um, that's never really answered uh, exactly. Don't they have that weird Red Hood backstory now? But that's they did that later. That was a that comes in from the Killing Joke. Uh, yeah, and that's right. In the Killing Joke, it's where he he tells that story essentially, or he flashbacks to it. He flashes back to it, but in the same story, he also says, "You know, you know." Uh, I like. I prefer my past to be multiple choice. Who mm. knows? It's. Can you trust that guy? Really? What he says? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Tim uh, read Killing Joke at some point within the last few years before he started making that movie, and he really liked it. And uh, you can tell he got kind of the central idea, I think, from or with Joker and the 
vat and stuff. He got it from that. Was Killing Joke the first instance of the falling in a vat story? I think so. I didn't know that. I really thought it was older than that. Okay. No, they never they never revealed where Joker came from or how he became the Joker before that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's part of the reason why Killing Joke's kind of a big deal. Hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, they uh, he fucking shoots Eckhart instead, and then he turns around and sees Batman's back because like, you fucking shot him. You weren't supposed to shoot anybody, you bitch. And then he tries to shoot him, but Batman <laughs> parries the bullet back at him and hits him in the face. <laughs> and he's like, oh, fuck. And he like, you know, goes over a railing. He tries to grab him, but he's got gloves and he's slipping. And he's, he, he accidentally drops him into that. By the way, what a great and simple effect that they just run the liquid getting disrupted backwards. And it looks super cool and creepy. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. I really true. like that. Like, it's the simplest possible thing, but they thought about it and it really pays off because it really is like, oh, that's that's supernatural. It's weird. Too bad Joel Schumacher didn't learn that lesson in Batman and Robin. No, more is more. That's that's the Schumacher style. But we're, that's 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 two weeks down the road. Let's keep that in our pants for now. Uh, so I I really enjoyed like the him turning into the Joker with that stuff. Um, I love the shot when he's it shows like the runoff outside the plant, mm-hmm. and you see the bubbles and the cards are there. That, that's great, but we need to talk about this. This is not hyperbole. I'm not kidding when I say this is one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever shot. And that is the reveal scene where he's at the plastic surgeon and the guy's like, well, let's see how we did. And he's taking the stuff off and they ruin it because right in the middle of it, they cut to um, Bruce Wayne and Vicki Vale on his stairs and like, oh, I feel a little drunk. Oh, let's fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they put that right in the middle of one of the best – I would venture probably the best scene in a comic book movie is it's from the back. It's all in silhouette. The guy's like, let's see how we did. He takes it off mirror mirror. Like he's like angry. He goes into it. He starts laughing and he smashes it. And he just, he hits the bulb and it like smashes against the wall. So we don't get to see what he looks like. And he stumbles out of there while doing the Joker laugh the whole time. It's perfect. That's perfect. I love that, that. I'm not kidding. That's one of my favorite scenes in any movie. I love to death that whole part. For the some- thing I like, the thing I like most about that scene is it really seems like something that could have been in a comic book. Like I it can does. totally see it playing out exactly that way. It w- it would be drawn that way too. It would be in the silhouette, just like the I, I could I could see like Alan Moore, for instance, writing it's a silhouette. We see Joker's back only in blackness. Those the plastic uh, on the table. There's this. You see what I have to work with. That we see. Blah 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 blah. Totally. Was, I, sorry, Dubs. I thought uh, the guy working on his face was going to be like Hugo Strange or something. Because <laughs> I was like, ah, you know, I mean, you don't have to say it's Hugo, but like at the same time, I'm like, maybe it is. Uh, it's not that far-fetched. We have Harvey Dent in this movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Billy D. Williams as, um, as fucking Harvey Dent, by the way? It's criminal. We don't get more of that. Yeah. Oh, man. He was supposed to be Two-Face later. He was supposed to be Two-Face later. He was, oh. yeah. That would have been really cool. I really wanted to see that. I like I like him as, as Harvey Dent. It's fine. It's, I yeah. don't know. It, it's not it's not like amazing. It's not like outstanding, but it's really good. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, big question now. Now I know these are two different. I'm not even gonna say Jared Leto. Fuck Jared Leto. His his Joker. Fuck. Who gives a shit about him? Um, Jack Nicholson 
versus uh, what's his face? Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. <laughs> Trust me, man. I, I whatever, whoever that guy is. The I, dead. Can you guys guess who I like the most? Uh, the, 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 the dead Joaquin one. Joaquin Phoenix. Now I will. Caesar Romero. There it is. Yeah, I, I think Romero is good because it captures the comic, the old oh. comic, the Joker. Um, There's some Caesar Romero in Jack Nicholson's performance when he's doing that laugh walking up the stairs. That's what I hear. I hear Caesar Romero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I it, it it's actually funny because when I see Jack Nicholson be the Joker, all I could think of is him in The Shining mixture with Romero. Uh, th- no, that's perfect. Like Jack Nicholson, like he's one of the actors who has most made typecasting work for him. Because he's kind of typecasted as like a fucking psychopath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he has done every version of like a psychopath. Like like on one end of the spectrum, you've got like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have like the departed. Like he has the biggest psychopath range in all of acting. <laughs> yeah. But, um what were you gonna say? No, just quickly, like I I, I mean, I give the slight edge to Jack Nicholson over Heath Ledger because Heath Ledger grounds the Joker into being this like terrorist, anarchist person. the The Joker in this one, he has like a conniving plan, but he's not too f- anarchist. Even though he has like, I want balloons to fucking kill people in this parade in this festival. But like, that's totally a Joker plan, by the way. Yeah, instead of just like Heath Ledger be like, I I have two boats and I'm just gonna let's see who blows each other up. <laughs> well, yeah. let's uh, let's uh, okay. Here's another conversation everyone's been having since the Dark Knight came out. Which which Joker is better? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both perfect for their time, place, and setting. I think because yeah. you cannot have a Jack Nicholson Joker, or for that matter, you absolutely cannot have a Cesar Romero style Joker in the Christopher Nolan serious gritty setting. That being said, it is kind of unfortunate that they basically just grind him down to being like a terrorist. But it's he's like an anarchist. Um, he's he's still out of his mind, clearly, right? He burns the money and all this other stuff. And he's still very like he'll he'll kill without a thought, stuff like that. It still works out really well for that setting. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. I give Nicholson just a little bit little bit edge because you can there's a lot of roles that are genuinely terrifying including Heath Ledger's Joker. Heath Ledger's Joker is is, you know, it's it's a masterwork. It's great. He's terrifying mm-hmm. as he should be. That's the whole point. But Jack Nicholson's Joker has that like you know, the the TV commercials are some of my favorite parts cuz he's like uh <laughs> Oh, oh, he's been using brand X like that shit. That, that, I, that that's a lot of fun. Like that's entertaining to watch, but he's still also really scary. Cause he's going to like kill his whole crowd with gas. That makes them smile themselves to death. Mm-hmm. Well, still he turn, he, up. It's he time, turns on it's a time dime. for hubba, hubba, hubba. Who money, do you love? Money, 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 money. Who do you love? Who do you trust? Me? I'm giving away free money. And where's the bat? He's at home washing his tights, like stuff like that. Uh, Jack Nicholson couldn't really pull that off, but he didn't need to pull that off because the role didn't didn't call for that. That role called for a whole lot of, uh, oh, you want to see a magic trick, and uh, you know, I'm going to show you how evil the city really is, kind of stuff. So comparing them is kind of unfair. I realize they're both playing the same character, so it, it's a perfectly reasonable argument to have. 
but I don't think it has an end that argument to me Jack Nicholson's Joker perfectly encapsulates the comic book Joker of the late 70s and 80s and 90s mm. he, he, he comes up with crazy plans to fucking murder people and he wants to upstage Batman that that's <laughs> where that stuff comes from um yeah well uh, and to like this Joker uh I just lost my train of thought um, but anyway, like, you know how with the movies today with the superheroes, you notice how they, like, put them in the comics now? Um, because, like, every, so ever since Heath Ledger's Joker came out, every time Joker was in the Batman comic, they had it, it, it centered around what that Joker did. Like, it didn't have long hair, Heath Ledger, but it had its same intentions as that joker they tried to inject more of that interpretation into the joker yeah and yeah. and they do that for marvel movies too like you know when um samuel jackson fuck who did he i'm brain farting today who who was he uh the guy with the supposed fucking, to be yeah the eye patch nick, guy nick fury nick fury <laughs> there we go uh dude i i'm so burnt out from work i'm sorry um where's my stimulus check dubs <laughs> where's my stimmy <laughs> Give it about 120 days. I don't know. Hubba, hubba, hubba. Money, money, money. Come on. <laughs> uh, but, like, ever since, like, Samuel L. Jackson was in it, like, as Nick Fury, everything in the Marvel comics, it was Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury. Well, here's the thing about that, actually, is um, in the Ultimate Marvel Universe... They based him on Sam Jackson. It's yeah, weird. Nick Nick Fury was, it was just a black version of Nick Fury, and the, he was still Nick Fury, I guess. I never mm. read a lot of uh, the Ultimate stuff, mm. but some people liked that version better. Mm. And then, yeah, when they did the movies, they made Sam Jackson Nick Fury, and I'm like, okay. That's fine. And That's perfect. He was fucking fine. awesome. It's, yeah. it's fucking Sam Jackson doing something. The, origi the original uh, Nick Fury was more of like a David Hasselhoff kind of situation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. That's also great. But I, the Ultimate Universe, I think, benefited from hindsight a ton because you know they started it in like two thousand eight or was oh. it earlier? Whenever yeah. it was. So they had they had decades of comic books to to rework and make sure everything all fits together. It's kind of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, except better because they still had Fantastic Four and X Men to work with. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, that, that's what I wanted to bring up. What do you think of Jack Nicholson's uh, permanent smile uh, after he? Found I love him? that. Yeah, I, 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 it's it's a real. I always try to figure out how the hell they do that because Jack Nicholson's apparently allergic to spirit gum. Really? Uh, yeah, that, uh, I've read about this movie and stuff. I know a lot of the behind the scenes shit. Hmm. But yeah, he he's allergic to spirit gum, so they can't use that traditional method to put on weird prosthetics on somebody. So he did something. I feel like he's got something, some kind of like fake extensions added to his mouth to make Let's it put a look coat like, hanger in his mouth. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I always wanted to figure out how to do that because uh, one time I wanted to like do Joker for Halloween, but have a crazy smile like that. So, um, another question I have is: uh, Did you ever hear an interview from Jack Nicholson about like how he felt? doing the joker or is he just like ah it's another fucking role let me just be jack nicholson and and just <laughs> well, do fucking romero <laughs> like um 
from what I could tell was it, it was this, it was like, he was like, well, I'm the Joker anyway, man. <laughs> he's not wrong, I guess. And, uh, on top of that, he's just like, Oh, this looks like a cool movie project. And this, uh, Tim Burton guy seems like he's going to be somebody. So I'm here to lend my star power kind of thing. Yeah, cause and he, he, he kind of did that actually really. Yeah, because you know what fascinates me is because I watch a lot of the uh, Stanley Kubrick, The Shining with Jack Nicholson, and I just love how Jack Nicholson is like, yeah, so Stanley gave me a new line. I just memorized the other line, so I guess screw fuck that shit. And <laughs> like, like, he would just be like, I, I love seeing that. I just want to, like, hopefully one day if they do release, like, behind the scenes of that movie, um, you know, we get a part of, like, I'm going to do what? <laughs> I'm going to fall in this gas. <laughs> he's very, he's a very straightforward guy from Hollywood. It's refreshing. Yeah. He, uh, he got top billing in this movie. I'm pretty sure. Right. His name comes first on the poster over Keaton. He did. And he made a fuck ton of money off this movie. <laughs> <I feel> like <laughs> merchandising yeah. shit or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I love the scene where he reveals, um, he's the joker now when mm-hmm. he goes back to the high rise and he's like is that you sugar bumps he's like it's me sugar bumps <laughs> <laughs> he shoots him he does the, the you know the laugh and you see him and i fucking love it after he does that though and he's sitting there at his desk and it's like the moon is back there and he's like looking at the paper it's got blood all over it mm-hmm. i like when he's freak. shooting him he like shoots him Right in the chest, and then he like dances around and like shoots him over the shoulder and behind like, the back. All this other shit, yeah. <laughs> like that's to show, like, you know, he's crazy now. He's a crazy person. <laughs> and he says, "Oh, what a day!" <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite a day you've had, honestly. <laughs> I think my uh, my favorite part is like you know, I mean, we're getting to it where he talks to the other gangsters and stuff. He's like, "Where, where's Grisham?" And he like how about we just shake on it or something like that? And yeah, he's, he wants to, he's like, Grissom put him in charge while he's absent. Mm. Uh, and the one guy at the other end of the table is like, what, what if we say no to your plan to like, he, he wants to ruin the festival. He wants to ruin the festival so he can make a big spectacle and, and show up Batman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, well, we can just shake on it. It'll be fine. He's like, yeah, yeah. And then he shakes his hand. It's a buzzer thing. It's just totally a Cesar Romero thing. But then it turns really dark because he starts frying and he turns into a black skeleton that's smoking. He's a little hot under the collar. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's uh, also one of those moments, though, where he's doing funny haha shit. And then he turns on a dime and gets really scary, like right, right at the end. Yeah. What'd you, what'd you guys think of Vicky Vale, by the way? Um, did you, I mean, I liked her as a love interest because it seemed like Keaton, like, was actually thinking about maybe I should just have a family and not do this Batman shit. But then he's like, nah, bitch, I'm Batman at the end. Um, you gotta accept the fact that I'm Batman. Yeah. <laughs> but, but there was times where I'm just like, she's kind of boring me. Um, I think she's well acted and well written. Um, but I, I get what you're saying about her being boring. I had a thought on this because a lot of Tim Burton's movies, even today, they have that whole like 
maybe not as bad today. They have they have a black and white thing, and I'm not just talking like Ed Wood. I'm talking like everything is much more muted colors. There's not a lot more to it. And in a world of black and white, Vicky Vale is just white. There's no like contrast to the way she looks and the way she moves across the screen. Uh, this, this is hard for me to put into words, but she doesn't have as commanding. Like, look, you've got you've got Jack Nicholson as the Joker. You've got Michael Keaton as fucking Batman, and then you got Kim Basinger as Vicky Vale. <laughs> Boring. Like, it's kind of not her fault that she's not like popping off the screen. Um, other than that, I think she's well acted. I love all of her scenes with Knox. I think yes. those are well acted because he's like, "Oh, Vale, marry me." She's like, "No, buy me dinner." Uh, he lied, but he steals <laughs> those scenes because he's so much fun. So I, I don't know. I she uh, she gives an above average performance, which you know Nicholson and Keaton give like fantastic performances. So I don't know. she's meant to you know, ground the movie, I think, a little bit. She's the good love interest character. She's down to earth, whatever. She's a uh, photojournalist thing. Like those scenes where she goes to Way Manor and they have dinner. Mm. And they're sitting across from each other at that super comically long table. Yeah. Do you like eating in here? Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he looks around the room. He's like, I don't think I've ever been in this room before. <laughs> and then they go to some smaller, more like intimate area where they're eating with Alfred and telling stories. It's like, I always like that scene because it's it's just real normal for once. Now that I think about it, there is kind of a misstep with her character, I feel like, because at the beginning, she's really important because they're telling us the story through her eyes. It's more about Vicki Vale in the first act than it is about Bruce Wayne. Like, we know Batman's out there somewhere, and Knox is looking for him. They give him the cool picture and also a nice nod that it says it was drawn by Bob Kane. That's hilarious. Yeah. But what a Vale's dick. Vale's looking for Batman with Knox. So she's like going to the party and talking to people. She's following him to the alley. She's, you know, going on a date with him. She's doing stuff at home. So she's she's really important in the story. We're following her for a big, big part of it. And then out of nowhere, it kind of it, like we know who Batman is now. We know what Batman's deal is. We know that uh, the Joker's out there. That's the threat. We're going to follow Batman now. And she just becomes a damsel in distress twice like she goes to the museum and he saves her and then joker comes to her apartment while he's there and he like doesn't really save her but like draws the attention from her so they they like she's important and then suddenly oh he's just saying and then he saves her at the end too he saves her again saves her three times save the girl it's i know i know that's like traditional or whatever but what a missed opportunity to get in early on the whole, like maybe we could empower women characters a tiny, a little bit Hollywood train. It was still the eighties. you know. I know. I know. But missed opportunity to make the movie even better. Cause, cause yeah. her character is something in the first act. And then after that, it's just like, Oh, they're boning and he's going to save her. I feel like if they tried to do it now, they could probably do it better. Like what yeah, you're saying. No, no doubt. No doubt. It, what really annoys this is like a nitpick thing. This is not me be like, well, this is what ruins her character and she's a bad actress. Uh, but there's a part where, like, the first part she goes to the museum and she gets a little present from Joker that says, put this mask on because gas is about to come through. Uh, and then she puts it on. And then the second part where, you know, you want to get nuts, let's get nuts part. And then there's a present there and she opens it like an idiot, knowing that it's from Joker. 
Well, she's just so she's wound got worried up. it's like a fucking bomb or something. Yeah, maybe she's like, "What the hell is this? Is this Do a I gas need to bomb?" Throw this out the window. Yeah. <laughs> it was just flowers, and it scared her, and she fainted. Maybe. Yeah, I was always I, I was thinking about this time. I guess they get away with it, but like, what if Batman had just like beat up the Joker and tried to capture him at the museum? Like, it seems like it would have been less work than fucking flying a fighter jet and capturing a bunch of balloons and fighting on top of a cathedral, right? But it wouldn't have been as cool. I know it wouldn't have been. <laughs> I, I do really like he points the gun at him and then it goes like click and it's like the two thing. Why does he carry that? Is it just for that specific situation? Yeah, it's a line launcher, so he can, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean that being said, you do use it for like a thousand different things in Arkham Asylum. So yeah, okay, never mind. I'll give him that. <laughs> but yeah, they did to do the museum scene. It's one of my favorite scenes. I love it. He just goes in there and he's got all of his goons with the sweet Joker jackets. Mm. And I want one of those jackets, by the way. I priced them. In fact, I think I priced them because we were going to try to get you one for like Christmas or your birthday or something. Oh my god, I would have lost Fucking, my mind. <laughs> the cheap, the cheapest one I could even find was five hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> I was seriously lost my mind. But it was like a, it was like a set. I can't remember. It was, it was from, it was from a company that sold props. So I think it might have been like movie used by an extra or something. So that's why it was like ludicrously high in price. Hey. I just want—I just wanted reproduction. That's what we were gonna get, but I can't. They don't exist. We can make our own, maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> there's a lot of leather in this movie, by the way. Did you guys notice that? All oh. the cops wear leather. All the mm-hmm. Joker's henchmen wear leather. Leather. Mm. Leather, man. Uh, but I love. Yeah, I love it. They all come in there and it's like, gentlemen, let's broaden our minds, Lawrence. <laughs> and he just puts on prints and they start ruining the art, and it's great. Party man, man. Party man. Rock a party like nobody can. Besides the one painting, he's like, no, I like this one. I love that, by the way, because that's a Francis Bacon painting, and he paints fucked up shit. So he, he saved the most fucked up painting. Yeah. Um. I, I guess another thing I want to bring up, this Alfred versus Michael Caine Alfred. Is it too early to do that, though? What do you mean because he, he's in all four of these movies. Hmm. He's like the only guy besides Pat Hingle being Commissioner Gordon that sticks around. Yeah. Okay. I I'll save that. I'll save that for the fourth movie then. Uh, oh, what do you think about Bob? There we go. He's great. It's like he does. They don't give him enough to do. They they do and they don't because you know what? I, going back to that thing, I was like, oh, I noticed different things every time I watch this movie. I noticed some more things Tracy Walter did in this movie. It's kind of funny because Tracy Walter is apparently pretty good buddies with Jack Nicholson in real life, so they kind of already have that dynamic going. Huh, where he's just like he's his friend, he's his confidant, whatever. Um, Part of his but, entourage. Yeah, I noticed throughout this movie, I was paying more attention to Bob this time, and he has like weird reactions to to Jack Napier slash the Joker when he's starting to act weird, or clearly he's the Joker now, like. The first time you see it, I think, is like when he's at the meeting with all the mob guys and he's like rubbing his his head with that uh, handkerchief and it's like rubbing the makeup off of him. Yeah. And he looks at him and he's like, what What the fuck? Like, like he didn't realize he, he, he's, he'd changed. Hmm. And sometimes when he's saying other things, like he's doing one of his monologues, he's looking at like when he, he hits the TV with the boxing glove thing. And he's like, Batman, Batman, somebody tell me what kind of a world we live in. And then he turns around at him. He's got like the the streamer thing. This town needs an enema. 
<laughs> and he, he shoots it at him, the, the streamer thing at him. He's like looking at him like concerned. <laughs> like he's like, Are you, what? <laughs> like he doesn't know how to react to him. Uh, if, but it's kind of interesting. I never noticed that before. <laughs> well, if you're a fan of his acting, I will take this opportunity to remind you that he's in Repo Man from 1984, the Alex Cox movie. And that movie kicks ass. You should see it. I and, will see Repo Man soon. And Conan the Destroyer as Malik. I didn't know he was in Conan the Destroyer. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, so. Um, I I mean, I love the festival, festival scene. Um, I love the song. I love the dancing. Um, too bad that's when uh, Bob dies, though. His, his, his first man. Unceremoniously. Yeah. He was mad. He didn't know. He stole his balloons. Mm-hmm. No one told him he had one of those things. Yeah. And I, I love Joker's, like, fucking... What type of caliber gun was that? <laughs> What's dumb about that is there's guns like that that really exist. There, there are, are guns that exist like that, but they still just fire, like, forty-five or something. Like, they can't shoot down a goddamn aircraft. <laughs> Maybe. That that aircraft was made out of plastic. Yeah, well, it literally, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Some people get real fucking twisted about that scene. They're like, oh, he, he shot a thousand bullets at him, and he shot him with a handgun, took him down. I was like, this, shut up. <laughs> quit, it's quit, cool. It's, it's cool, okay? Quit obsessing over everything. That's why... That's why I feel like action movies can't exist like how they used to anymore. Because it's like now action movies have to be parody. They have to be tongue-in-cheek all the time now. They can't just be. They did elaborate it into, like, the best scene in The Dark Knight, at least. Yeah, they did. (laughs) I mean, we got that out of it. So even those people could shut up about that. And you could kind of take that from this. It's like, he's going to kill him, but he doesn't want to kill him. He doesn't want to kill. But... I used to have a big hang up with this movie and I got over it. Don't worry. But it really seems like Batman kills people in this movie. And I don't like that. I, yeah, I, people get hung up on that. Dubs, you get hung up on the fact that Batman murdered some guys. Murdered. I think this is where he probably changes. Cause like Keaton does care about not killing people. Cause there's a point where he tries to save the Joker. Um, you know, yeah. and, it's just like he goes. Sometimes he, he like kills me. Like, oh well, I I couldn't keep my grip, <laughs> so they die. So, like, and he, you know, like in in the the, the cartoons and the comics, he kind of like beats himself up. He's like, damn, I'm not supposed to kill people. I'm a yeah. good good man. And like this one, he's kind of like, well, I tried. Oh well, <laughs> fucking tried. Yeah. Hey, Christian Bale did the same thing. Then Batman begins. He's like, fights Ray Sagol, and he's like, I'm not gonna kill you, but I don't have to save you. Bye. And he yeah. fucking leaves. <laughs> he he lets that, it die. I feel like that exists within character for Batman. There's yeah. there's a whole other fucking podcast long conversation we can have about how I think it's way much more sacred that Superman doesn't kill, but we'll leave that. We'll leave that. It's Wait, a different. Yeah, it's Man different of Steel. Game. Fuck that movie. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> Fuck you both. <laughs> it's a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. <laughs> fucking, you got fucking bandwagoner just fucking crack the neck of general zod he didn't want to again that's a whole conversation for another time we'll, we'll it skip is. it now everybody just acts like oh he just murdered him outright he did he murdered that man <laughs> he and did he, not want to do it and he, I, it doesn't matter he should find a way to not murder him that's superman's deal and he murder, couldn't and murder half of the city he didn't what the fuck he didn't do that on purpose 
<laughs> God damn it. Y'all are, y'all are fucking bandwagoners anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I like the whole Batwing thing. You know, that whole scene where he's flying around. It's so fucking cool. Of course it is. And it just, like, I, goes in front of the moon. It's yeah. like a huge wink to the audience, but it's like, mm, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's the cover for like the official soundtrack is like when he, he, he flies in front of the moon. Um, but yeah, he shoots him down with the gun and then Joker gets Vicky because she runs after the crash and she's trying to check on him, but his crash is exploding. All those eighties computers and everything and systems are just exploding in that fire. Um, <laughs> as 80s computers and systems are wont to do. Uh, Jack, or Jack, Joker gets him, gets her, and then I gotta get you to church on time. And he has to climb up the tower. <laughs> like when he looks up at the tower. Uh, transportation for two, five minutes. He looks up. Make Better it make ten. it ten. <laughs> okay, ten minutes. You ever look up at something really tall and get dizzy? Has that ever happened to you? Yes. That happened to me like that never happened to me until one time when it did. And I always thought that was bullshit and then it, until it actually did happen. <laughs> it was a roller coaster. Mm. But I imagine that thing was the same deal. Uh, to kind of go back a little bit, I did like the part where, you know, he saves Vicky Vale um, from Joker's goons and stuff. And he has to like he's he's uh, the cops and the goons were like chasing after him in the car chase. And then when he gets out, he's like shield and then like the fucking shield on the batmobile which by the way oh, i love this batmobile best batmobile ever it's the best well either this one or the animated series is my favorite i can't decide i like this one better. i like this one better than the animated oh, i love the animated series one it's cool it's too like one solid pillar oh, it's so cool it's very it is very cool too but i i always like this one best um apparently you couldn't go very fast in this thing which was funny you can only go like 30 miles per hour in it and if you start going faster than that the fight you could feel the fiberglass body starting to like get like the the drift underneath is starting to lift it <laughs> so i guess like the scenes like where he's driving through like the the outskirts of gotham going to the bat cave that, that was sped up footage but honestly it's done really well you can't tell it looks really good yeah yeah, somehow they did it to where you can't tell that it's necessarily sped up. Well, his car is so powerful that he has to use, like, a hook to drift to the next turn. Did you know that in Mythbusters, they proved that you couldn't do that? You just ripped the axle out. Did you know that? Fuck Mythbusters. They own their well, shit. In a regular car, sure. Not in a Batmobile. Yeah, it's the Batmobile, <laughs> you guys. Did you know anything? God damn. I think there was a lot of myths on Mythbusters that they just did because they thought it was cool. And yeah, I know. I'm just I kidding. I kind of respect that. I got, it's like, I get it. Look, I like can you do show. this? I just want to do it. I feel like they had a conversation. They were like, I want to try to build a car that can like drift with a hook. My new pet, my, my latest pet peeve now of people talking about movies is how they want to fucking nitpick shit to death and obsess over stupid little fucking details. And it's like, why? Just watch the damn movie. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, he climbs the fucking cathedral. It's super cool. Like when Batman first opens the cathedral doors and it's that shot like from the top and there's all the shadow and the light comes in. Very Batman mm -hmm. along with the soundtrack playing there. And it's just some old ass ancient cathedral that Batman has to scale to get to the Joker. Mm -hmm. um, which apparently this whole thing was Jack Nicholson's idea. Oh, really? Him and... I think it was one of the producers saw Phantom of the Opera over there while they were filming 
And then he was like, you know, what would be cool is if we did like a final fight scene in a cathedral, like like in Phantom of the Opera. Hmm. And the producer guy's like, sure, why not? Like the original Universal one they saw. I, I think it was a play. Like, oh, fair enough. Okay. They did it, but yeah, he he had that idea. That that's that's what he says anyway. It's cool. It's kind of cool though. Yeah, I love that though. And all the weird fucking henchmen that he fucking encounters in that fight. How like, did they get up there before Batman? I, they were waiting on him. I guess. Well, he was like, go to the top of that cathedral just in case. Just in also, case. I wanted to point out, uh, whenever movies, whenever in movies, they're like, oh, there's a, there's a timer. This bomb explodes in three minutes or something's going to happen in 10 minutes. I like to I like to time it. So I timed it. I timed it in this movie. He says, I need to pick up uh, Gotham City Cathedral in five minutes. And then he looks up, better make it 10 minutes. It was, it was, it was 10 minutes and like 23 seconds. Like it was <laughs> right. I was like, oh my God, they did it. I don't know who edited this movie, but mm, oh, you're my hero. That's awesome. I never <laughs> thought, I, I was thought to try to do that sometimes. I just never did. I did this time finally. And I was, cause I was expected to be like outrageously wrong. Nope, they did it. Awesome. So, so my favorite part of that is like the helicopter people. They're, they're just like, "Where is he? Where is he? Oh, there he is!" <laughs> like, there he is! There he they're is! Like, they're both just like, "Come on! <laughs> Why can't you climb up here? They can't see the giant stone gargoyle dangling <laughs> from his feet." Oh my god, that that reminds me though when he bombs the factory too. He bombs the factory with the Batmobile. He blows the fucking factory up and. Then the helicopter just comes by. Junior Birdman! Ha <laughs> ha You missed me! I, I like that a lot, because he just, like, taunts him from the helicopter and then fucks off. Like, that's, like, a, a classic fucking comic book villain thing. And the yeah. helicopter's got his fucking face on it. So awesome. That, that is far and away the cheesiest thing in this movie. Someone was like, no, 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 we're going to put the Joker's face on this helicopter. I'm, I'm in charge of props. You guys can suck my dick. <laughs> do, you, do you not think he wouldn't do that, though? I assume he would, I guess. I, I think he would. He wanted his face on the $1 bill, so why not a helicopter? Isn't that there would... a cut scene where they show someone grabs some of the money and it's got his face on it? Or did uh, I dream that? No, that's that That was really a thing. Okay, because for years I've thought that I like fucking uh, Mandela affected myself or something. Because <laughs> I know I saw that somewhere and I haven't seen it since. No, he gave everybody new and improved Joker bucks. Joker bucks. Not brand X bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he fights all the crazy henchmen. He fights that guy that does like thirty backflips and tries to drop kick him with foot knives. <laughs> my, my favorite is the guy who tries to jump down behind him and then just dies. Just <laughs> <laughs> the like looks down at like looks down the hole. And he's like, oh, that guy's fucking dead. He's like, ah. <laughs> then he goes through the the floor. <laughs> and then that that one guy comes out and just whips his fucking ass for like. Five minutes. Good. You need some like drama. It's like where was this guy the whole movie? This guy's mm-hmm. just beating his ass. Like, <laughs> uh, then you get the 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 final confrontation though. I I think I out of all the Batman movies, I think this final confrontation I actually like was satisfied with because like all the other movies, I'm just like ah oh, so cliche, but this one I'm just like this. It's great because after this, you don't see another Joker. <laughs> you, you don't see no other Jack Nicholson uh, Joker movie. 
Dubs, you hit the nail on the fucking head. You just you put into words what I couldn't figure out. This movie is like you can argue about which Batman movie is the best. This one has the most satisfying conclusion of any Batman movie that has been made, and mm. I will I will die on that hill. Yeah, because the, the ending the ending of this movie is like mm, I love this because the ending of Dark Knight is supposed to be like oh what happens the Joker's still alive and some other shit happens because he was supposed to be in the next movie but then he died. So it's like not quite as satisfying a conclusion, but the end of Batman 1989, man, it's just right. And it's still like he's still out there being Batman. Vicky Vale still gets in the Rolls Royce. And he's like, oh, I thought champagne was called for. Oh, he said he'd be late. And she's like, oh, that makes sense, I guess. Uh, it's got the super epic swell climbing up the, the building. It's got that Danny Elfman uh, score. Yeah. It's yeah, it's the, the ending of this movie is is. Oh, it's so good. Mm. Well, uh, you know, but if Hollywood was not such of a big fucking milk factory, um, I, I would be like, this Batman right here, one and done. Don't need any more Batmans. But because of Hollywood, you have to fucking milk that shit. Well, I mean, we did get the Christopher Nolan trilogy. I do like this. And Batman Returns is is good. Spoiler alert for next week. Come on. Yeah, pretty good I, I wish we could have got Burton's third movie. I think that would have been really cool. That would have been where it's at. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the final confrontation is great. Joker you can't fight him at all, as it should be. <laughs> Every time they 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 confront each other, it's like he has gags, he has tricks, he has plans. He tries to punch him, and that doesn't work. <laughs> I like uh. I, I like that the Joker in this movie also has like he punches him in the face and shattering teeth come out. He's got a flower that squirts acid. He's got a fake hand when he tries. Oh, you need a hand, Vicky Vale. I fucking love. That. I love it's all so that lame, but I love. I that. love all that stuff. It's great. <laughs> I'm actually looking. Um, is Danny Elfman in? Uh, did the score for this movie? Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. God yeah, damn. he composed the Batman theme that would go on to be the theme for the other movies, the animated series, all this other stuff. I would say this is what really put him on the map. Was this his work on this? This is the earliest movie I'm aware of him scoring. No, he scored. Uh, he did Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, and, yeah. Uh, another great Michael Keaton movie. <laughs> um, but I think he scored Pee Wee's Big Adventure as well. Oh, did he? he? Just, I, didn't, I didn't know he's that. He's just always worked with uh, Tim, Tim Burton. Burton. Yeah. But uh, like. I think this is what really got people to notice him. It's like, because this music is like, ever since then, it's like, this is what Batman sounds like. It is, yeah. He did Simpsons as well? God yeah, he did, he did the did Simpsons, Simpsons theme, yeah. Well, he's done a lot of themes and, and stuff for television as well. No, I think Dan, Danny, Danny Elfman's huge. You just don't realize it. I think, yeah, I think Danny Elfman also scored the original Spider-Man movies uh, with Tobey Maguire as well, which is like crazy to think about. He went from Batman to Spider-Man. <laughs> He's a big deal. He can rub el- rub elbows with you know uh, John Williams and and uh, whatever the, the guy from Gladiator and Black Hawk Down. Hans Zimmer. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> you know that awesome. loser. I don't know whoever he is. <laughs> so, question: because um, not a lot of people know who I'm, I'm talking in the universe who Batman is. Did you like the fact that Vicky Vale knows Batman? Um, it's, yeah, I think it's funny how, like, Alfred just takes her to the cave. Yeah, he's just like, I'm sick of waiting for him to tell her. This is fucking stupid. And I want, like... I want some grandchildren. That's <laughs> <laughs> what this is. Stop <laughs> making me wait. He complained, he basically said that, like, a few scenes ago. 
And by the way, to you know, because we did the Sean Connery uh, Bond movies, Basinger um, was in the Never Say Never uh, movie. Again. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I, I love to be acting Big Trouble Historian. We've watched another Tim Burton movie. Can you remember which one it is, Dubs? Big Trouble. Uh, Planet of the Apes. Movie. There you go, you got it. Yeah. Planet of the Apes. Oh, the bad man. one. Yeah. I've never, <laughs> I've never seen it. That's where he met his future wife. <laughs> is, no. it really, is it really as bad as everybody says it is? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I want to be like, no, it's good for these reasons. It's not. It sucks. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of hoping we get... Uh, listen to our episode. <laughs> yeah. sorry. I don't want to listen to your episode. Well, I'm... why does anyone else then? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that, you know, uh, with Fox being, I, that's that's in contract right now. Isn't Disney own Fox now? Yeah. yeah, yeah so, they own Planet of the Apes. Yeah, so I'm hoping either we get a continuation. Those apes are Disney apes. Yeah, if we, if we get a continuation of the Planet of the Apes uh, or a reboot, uh, I think I want to I want to see what Zach thinks about the uh, other Planet of the Apes movies if he ever watches it. They're going to make an animated series, and Caesar's going to be voiced by Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, my God. Right? That's who voiced the ape in Tarzan? That that was a deep-cut joke that I don't think landed. I don't I don't really know, actually. I don't, I don't remember. I think I got cut. that wrong. Who voices that ape? I thought it was somebody else. Mandela. Look it up. It's a woman who voices a male ape. It doesn't matter. Who cares? This movie's great. <laughs> this movie's a classic. I think... Besides Indiana Jones and Big Trouble in Little China, this is the movie we have seen for the podcast that I've seen the most. Like, I, I love this movie. This movie's great. Mm. I'm, I'm gonna say right off the bat, this is my number one. I don't. There's nothing that could top this movie. The, yeah, we may as well get that out of the way. This is gonna <laughs> be the number so, one. There, like, there's gonna be some some fighting for two, three, and four, but eh, one is is fucking. Basic. I don't think we're gonna fight too much over two. It's I doubt be, we will, but who knows? Might be some surprises. It's going to be three and four, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys know what's coming up next. Uh, I'm not even going to say if, if you we recommend it. We just fuck it all said it's going to be our number one. So we. If you're it. too stupid to know, then you're too stupid to know. So you'll just find out next week. <laughs> We're going to be doing Batman Returns. So um, remember to watch that movie come back, and then we'll talk about it. There is one thing I would say about watching this movie. There's a lot of people that when they're told to watch something, they I'm one of these people. That's why I can I can speak to this. When you're told, oh, you've got to watch this movie. Oh, it's so good. And they'll be like, okay, all right, whatever. And then like you kind of don't watch it out of spite. Like you don't say that. You don't vocalize it. It's not in the front of your mind. But deep down inside, you're like, oh, man, fuck you. Like, no pressure, man. But if you've seen, like, the Christopher Nolan movies and you love them, this movie isn't going to take that away from you. This movie really is great. If you haven't seen this movie, you got to watch it. Yeah. Hold on. I kind of want to show you guys something. Okay. get Go to your Facebook real quick, because I want to show you a picture of Danny Elfman. He kind of, he could play Bill Gates. J just hold on a second. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Here, here this is. makes for really good podcasting dubs hey i don't care i just i want to hear you guys opinion it looks like literally he could play bill gates and i'll uh just go look him up on imdb people listeners uh search and he kind of looks like bill gates a little bit that is weird you're not kidding yeah <laughs> never i never put that together yeah just that picture all the other pictures is fucking danny elfman actually there's another one 
that he kind of looks like. But never mind, I digress. Well, I think they're the same age, so like, I don't know. You need to find somebody else to play Bill Gates now if you're going to make a Bill Gates Microsoft movie. He looks kind of like he kind of looks like seventy percent Bill Gates, but like thirty percent like Andy Dick or something. <laughs> yeah, he's the Bill Gates Andy Dick of music, <laughs> of movie music. All right, let's let's get into some news that matter to us. Andy, you said you had a news uh, you wanted to bring up. I have one news I want to bring up. Yes, um, no one made any movies last year. Oh, that's not that's not technically true. I, Hollywood made some movies over the course of the last year, but uh, oh, uh, side news: Did you guys hear that rant from Tom Cruise on the set of the new uh, Mission Impossible movie? Yeah. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, every night I'm on the phone with producers and a bunch of other fucking cocksuckers and all this stuff, and we they're using us as an example because he's like upset because someone wasn't wearing a mask or, or some stupid stuff like that. Like, I get it. I get Like, he's got like millions of dollars wrapped up in this movie, and one piece of shit won't wear a mask. Come on, man. Get, get with the program. But anyway, Hollywood hasn't been making movies for the last year, so a big thing that's been happening is they're re-releasing a lot of stuff in theaters. Um... Uh, another side news uh, item: Shrek is coming back to theaters. Uh, but anyway, what? they re-released Avatar. Disney, by the way, Disney who now owns Avatar, re-released Avatar in China, just China, not the United States, in Chinese theaters, where it made so much money it is now the highest-grossing movie of all time. It has oh, no. re-dethroned Avengers Endgame, Endgame oh, no. Avatar. Fuck. But now that they've Years later, years later, they re-released Avatar in China, and thanks to how powerful the Chinese movie-going market is, which, let's face it, it's it's pretty much one of the markets. It's way bigger than Europe, and it's getting to the point where it's bigger than the United States. And it, uh, during COVID, it is bigger than the United States. It's so big that it has bumped a fucking five-year-old movie back over Avengers Endgame, which, I, I like... It's definitely newsworthy. In my book, that's newsworthy. That's something worth talking about. But I don't know what I can say about it besides what? What? I'm and, sad. And you're sad? Yeah. I'm sad. Because Endgame is such better than fucking Avatar, like a hundred times over. And because of COVID and because China, um they uh they they made the movie number one again. Fuck you, dude. Fuck China. They, prob- they, uh, they, they really probably- are our enemies. <laughs> <laughs> they probably didn't really see it when it first came out. Uh, that people they weren't really releasing movies to China like that Dis- before. Disney considers China a huge market to the point where they are choosing movies and leads and stuff just to appeal to China. Um, uh, Shang Chi and the Seven, whatever that that upcoming marvel movie that 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 was greenlit for china that's for china make make no mistake like it's going to release here and of course i'm sure it'll be decent or good or great but that's for china uh raya and the last dragon that animated movie that just came out that was greenlit for china that's a chinese movie because you Mm -hmm. know it's about chinese mythology it takes place in in uh, a version of ancient china that's for them uh the live action mulan that was made Basically, they did market research in China. They said, what does China want from a live-action Mulan? That's the movie they released. That's what we saw. Yeah. So, like, Disney is really hung up about China. They're making buttloads of money over there from, you know, their Winnie the Pooh president guy. <laughs> that the, the Like, we need to get used to the fact that, in some regards, we're secondary to another audience now. For the first time since film was invented. Yeah. 
that's that's something to think about going forward. We're going to start seeing movies in theaters that like we're a secondary audience for. And I'm not saying that means it's going to be bad or not worth seeing. It might even be better. Who knows? But Disney specifically, you know, the largest filmmaker on the planet is is targeting the Chinese audience with with these things, a comic book movie, an animated children's movie, um, all that stuff. So, you know, going forward, that's that's something to think about when you look at what's playing at your local cineplex. Chinese pop propaganda, but not not propaganda, just stuff that they like and stuff that their government doesn't dislike. That's that's the important takeaway from this. Yeah, and so uh, make sure you make sure you take Finn out of all the marketing for Star Wars. Yeah, no, they did that. They, Zach's one hundred percent right. When they released Star Wars over there, they photo well, photoshopped. They took the black guy out of their posters. Yeah, because that's fucked. That's fucked. It's just hundred percent fucked. <laughs> How progressive yeah. of China? China. <laughs> Make no mistake. There's no progressivism. There is, there is not. There Your is not. Is not. <laughs> This this is not a political podcast. I have no wish to make it one, but uh, there's no love lost for China, or uh, there's no there's no love for China coming from, from this end of the podcast. From now on, you got to say China like China, China, China. China. <laughs> China. Uh, yeah, that's fucking terrible that Avatar beat Endgame. Fucking yeah. maybe they'll release like- Endgame. <laughs> I never liked that movie. That's why I, I was just like, oh man, like I felt happy that like. A movie I really liked was the biggest movie ever. Mm. <laughs> you know? Was it Shigani Weaver's like? Actually, no. The last role is going to be the Ghostbuster movie with her. Is she retiring from acting? I don't know. She was in uh, the new Halloween movie came out after Avatar, didn't it? That was a good one. Mm, was she in that yeah. movie? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Zach, do you have any news? No. <laughs> Sounds like no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought it had something earlier and I forgot it or it didn't matter. Uh mine, <laughs> it was just gas. It was just gas. Mine are quick. Uh one so they had a round table talk with Xbox and Bethesda since it was finally a hundred percent. Uh and the biggest question people were fucking talking about is is the future like Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six and any other uh, Wolfenstein and uh, Doom game. Is that going to be multi-platform or is it going to be only exclusive for PC and Xbox? And Phil Spencer said that from now on, anything that has a Game Pass on their platform will have those games. So as of right now, it's streaming on mobile. Um, it's on Xbox console and PC Bethesda. Nothing on Sony. Nothing uh, on Nintendo, unless Nintendo makes a deal with Xbox to have Game Pass on their system. If anyone's going to be able to do it, it'll be Nintendo. They have a pretty pretty buddy-buddy relationship lately. Yeah, so a lot... They got Steve! Yeah, a lot of people were pissed off uh, from the Sony side, at least. Uh, people that have Xbox and a PC, it's like, great, now it, there's a reason to get game pass there's a reason to play my pc or reason for to play my game console well now game pass is one thing but what about like a physical if i go to walmart and i want to buy star bound starfield starfield it's going to be on xbox only xbox right yeah okay i mean that that's what matters to me like if i it, 
I take that back. Star, Starbound, Starfield, I don't give a fuck. I, I can't even... You just told me the name. I can't even be bothered to remember it. Elder Scrolls, that's what I care about. Yeah. So I need an Xbox or a PC to play Elder Scrolls, because I can play it on PC, but I need a new PC. Well, but if there's another Doom, or there's yeah, another there's, Wolfenstein, too. Another Doom or another Elder Scrolls, that's what I care about. A new Wolfenstein would be cool, but I, I'm not as hung up on that as I am Doom. Well, a lot of a lot of podcasters that I listen to brought up a good point. Like mm-hmm. the game prices are now seventy dollars, right? Like yeah. that that that's the next gen thing. What Xbox is doing, where you're paying like sixteen dollars a month for like Ultimate Game Pass, whatever, you get all this catalog. But by the way, all twenty there was like twenty games of Bethesda games that uh, launch on Game Pass, like literally after the deal. Like you're getting all this content. And now you're getting every new Bethesda game coming out to Game Pass on day one. So, yeah. like, so for example, Elder Scrolls Six day one. Um, do, do I get the Game Pass and play it on my Xbox and what spend like sixteen dollars a month, or am I shelling out that seventy dollars for that business? I mean, I know you Look, guys. I, I, yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of you for beating me to the punch here. Yeah. Uh, you're talking to a brick wall, man. Like. Did yeah. this digital stuff it, now? I'm I, I'll admit it, I'm a broken man. Never a broken, I'm a broken man, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, that is a fan fucking tastic deal. Uh, the Xbox Game Pass, if I was going to go digital, I would get an Xbox, I would not buy a PlayStation 5 at all if I was going to go digital because mm-hmm. Microsoft clearly has the best deal, but. I am like married to physical media, like for better or for worse, sicker in health. I am married to physical media, man. And it's, there's just too many instances of, oh, such and such got delisted. So you just can't have it anymore. The Scott Pilgrim game, the Simpsons arcade game, the X-Men arcade game. Those are only prominent examples. There's still tons and tons of other examples that are just fucking gone forever. And guess what? A lot of these companies aren't keeping the files that they need to re-release these games anyway. Like mm-hmm. Sega infamously has a ton of shit that even if they wanted to re-release, they fucking can't because they, they can't keep track of their own goddamn hard drives. And I realize things are changing now, but it's too late. Like I'm, I'm programmed. You need to start focusing on generation Z because I'm a lost cause. I'm going to keep buying physical media. That said, I haven't bought a game for full retail price in more than three years. I'm very proud of that. I always wait for sales or I get a pre-order deal. Well, yeah, you, you do it. The, <laughs> you do it the right way. I'm talking about like the, the hardcore people, because the Dorito munching, uh, uh, Mountain Dew swilling, pre-ordering Call of Duty and Madden masses, right? <laughs> Zach, Zach's got something to say. Yeah, Zach. no, I was just like, that's me, that's me. Then you said Call of Duty pre-orders, and I'm like, no, 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 not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what games did you get at launch in the last year? I know you got Avengers, Resident Evil, but Resident Evil, Evil, Resident Evil Three, okay, yeah, um, Doom, uh, Eternal. Uh, I know there's another three one. games in twelve months. It's it's dwindling. Final Fantasy Seven. Mm, yeah, um, I got Final it, Fantasy. It's, watch. Yeah, it's becoming a shorter. It's become a much shorter list than what it used to be. But generally speaking, I don't. Final buy Fantasy any, was more than a year ago now. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. Mm. But um, I don't buy as many brand new games as I used to. Uh, I think part of that is just interest in like what the industry is putting out yeah over the past few years is dwindling there's just there's just a few things that really come out that are really like yeah i'm all about that i want that Mm. you know 
Well, that's why I like the Game Pass a lot because that actually forces me not to make a bad purchase because yeah. I could go, hey, um, let me go check out, I don't know, uh, M16 Shooter 2 or something. I'm <laughs> I don't know. I'm just yeah. The new M16's out. <laughs> Fuck yeah, brother! Oh my god, assault rifle! I play that shit till four in the morning. I would skip class for that motherfucker. Uh, but like, I, I I'm like, I don't know if it's good or not. Let's let's check it out. And if it's good, then you know sometimes that might push me to buy the game because these games don't stay on the Game Pass. By the way, they're like Netflix. They come so, and go. They yeah. go away. Yeah. You don't have them anymore. Yeah. Well, they well you get game deals. By the way, you get like uh. If you want the digital, you get like half off if you're a Game Pass. Uh, mm. so, so, uh, well, what what happens to Xboxes down the road when they don't want to support the servers anymore? Hey man, uh, it's it's. I mean, <laughs> hard... assuming you still you still want to play those games, maybe Cause... two Xboxes down the road, playing M sixteen two is going to be the least of your worries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like obviously, like Elder Scrolls six, I'm going to be like I might because I actually do have some hard copy games for. <laughs> Look. Don't worry. If it's anything like Skyrim, they'll re-release it two Xboxes down the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, Skyrim is on uh, Game Pass if you want to download it again. Uh, Grand Theft Auto 6, man. It's going to get re-released 20 times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I uh, One of my favorite game memes recently was been has been the PlayStation 2 got three Grand Theft Autos. God. Grand Theft Auto 4, or Grand Theft Auto 5 got three PlayStations. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> It's because it released on three, four, and five. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but the the main thing is like people were making fun of Xbox not having games. I mean, still technically they don't have a new game yet, but they have three new games coming up in 2021, and I believe PlayStation Five has like just two, and I think it's uh, uh, Ratchet and Clank, and I think it's another game. Um, but we have like big hitters. We have the, I think it was a Bethesda game. Uh, then you got Halo Infinite coming out. And I believe the, um, oh, there was an alt, something, um, something like uh, Elder Scroll like, but it's, I forgot the name of it. But there's, there's three games coming out. I don't know. I, I feel good things are happening in Microsoft. And I still hear uh, rumblings that Phil Spencer is buying one more studio. Uh, and people are saying it's either Sega or Konami. I I remember before TGS, people were saying they were going to buy Sega, which gives them Atlas as well, but it didn't happen. I'm glad it didn't happen, because could you imagine Atlas not releasing Persona just on, like, Sony shit? Mm. It feels weird. Yeah, but uh, it it could happen. That's, I mean... If I was Microsoft, that that's what I would be in the market for. Like, you've got Bethesda now. You need like a big, strong, hitting Japanese studio. That's what that's what you want. Uh, now that I beat Cyberpunk, obviously, and I uh, a few episodes of the show ago, I I feel like it was infamously stated that if I walked into a store and I saw a PlayStation Five, I'd pick it up right then because I want uh, Cyberpunk to not run like complete trash. That's out of my system. That's gone. And now it's kind of anybody's ball game on what console I want to get for this generation. Like, I I've never been a brand loyalty guy. I was 360, and then I was PlayStation 4. So I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm gonna go. I'm seeing, right now. I'm seeing myself more play with my Xbox than my PlayStation. Um, again, because I, if we're in a pandemic and there's not a lot of games out, 
But sure. I, I like the controller more. I, I like the uh, easiness of the UI of the Xbox. Uh, mm. But I don't know, man. Um, if Phil Spencer gets a, a Japanese studio as big as Sega or Konami, um, it, it's 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 going to be... We- I, I don't want Konami because I feel like... It- no, I'll tell you what will happen if it's Konami. Is Konami will just sell them wholesale their back catalog of IPs. Because I think Konami as a business is still more interested in like doing what they're doing. And I don't just, don't just mean Pachinko. Everyone's got to recall Konami owns Yu-Gi-Oh! As well as a bunch of other big money makers that aren't video games. Yeah. So what they'll do is they'll say, look, you can just have all this IPs and you can just distribute it to Xbox Game Studios, Bethesda. Imagine if Bethesda, you know what else Konami owns? Hudson. So, like, could you imagine, like, Bethesda making a fucking Bomberman or some shit like that? Like, that that, that would be in the realm of possibility at that point. Oh, But that that's what I would see happening. Thanks. Konami would say, look, we don't want any of this shit. Buy it all. Well, thank you for bringing that up because Phil Spencer actually said in the roundtable talk, he's like, it, it makes me giddy that we have id software and id soft uh, tech stuff because imagine if a Gears of War or a Halo uses id software <laughs> Uh, developers and their tech to create a Halo game, and I'm that just would rip. That it, would kick ass. I would fucking love that because if if id Software says they're making a Gears of War, I I'd probably need an Xbox. That would kick ass because I really like the Gears series. It, like that's that's the part of me that is still in college eating Doritos, drinking Mountain Dew. Like, I fucking <laughs> love I love some Gears Horde mode, man. That's where it's at. It's in the realm of possibility now because there are a team. And what I liked about the roundtable talk. It wasn't, you know, like certain uh, like videos. You're like, oh, it's like too much business. I can I can give two shits about it. Um, yeah. They do business, but they feel happy talking about it. Like they're. You a, said it was a round table. Is it like a shareholders meeting or? They just went in. It? They went in the studio and they just they intro uh, people that don't know Bethesda. Uh, they're trying to like capture, uh, be like, hey, we're Bethesda and this is our studios kind of thing. Which, by oh. the way, Mikami. Uh, the Resident Evil uh, director, the first and second, he's yeah. with Bethesda. I didn't fucking know that. I didn't know that either, actually. Yeah, he, wasn't he? Wasn't um? He wasn't did, he involved with Evil Within or some yeah. shit? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's why I knew that. So that's another awesome thing, and it's just like, I don't know. I I see good things happen. Imagine. All right, they buy, they buy Konami's IPs, and they say, "Hey, uh, you want to fucking make a Silent Hill?" <laughs> That would kill. I, <laughs> that would kill the internet. And I can hear both of you getting boners over the over my headphones. Like yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I guess we have to see in the coming months. Uh, Xbox is going in the right direction. Uh, I'm not even going to bring up this second thing that I was going to bring. I'll bring, I'll save that for getting some color because uh, okay. I I need to read uh, into it a little. I bit. think this has been a long Batman heavy show anyway. Yes, so I think we're going to sign off here. Um, if you want to catch more Big Trouble uh, in a little podcast, make sure you type that in on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Red Circle, and listen to our old episodes like you know, The Planet of the Apes or Sean Connery uh, Bond movies, uh, Star Trek. Uh, we need to do Next Generation soon, those movies. I'm uh, ready, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know... T- 
listen to it and listen to the fucking Batman ones that we're going to be doing too as well. Batman. So we'll see you next time, guys. See you later. Thanks for listening. Someone at me on Twitter and tell me how to fill out this bracket. I got money riding on it. This Mark? podcast needs an enema. <laughs> there you go. Later, guys. <laughs>